to everyone here today, and it's so good to see so many in the house of God this morning. And uh, for those joining our family on our podcast service, a big welcome to you also. And, uh, but may you all be blessed and grow in God as we come around the Word of God today. And that's what the God promises, that He would build us up in the Word of God. Uh, faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17 says and hearing by the Word of God. So the Word of God has a capacity to impart faith to those who have an open heart for it. Amen? Amen. It's a great promise. So last Sunday being the first meeting of the year, and it's often a time of year when many people take stock and uh, they evaluate and often re-evaluate their lives, and they determine to make change and plan for the year ahead. And uh, the RACQ magazine comes to the letterbox throughout the year, and it is called The Road Ahead, amen? And uh, so, too, we plan also for the road ahead. Uh, the road ahead for us doesn't, should not come by accident. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So God is a God of order. It's great to be led by the Spirit of God, but it's great to have bones and a framework to work with, and God would like to order our steps. And hope and vision were both restored Uh, To the despairing prophet Habakkuk in the midst of very, very quite bleak times in Israel's history. And God commanded the Habakkuk, and in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, He said, Write the vision. And that was the title of the message last week. And I pray that you'd go to that message because the last two messages are uh, come after those, they're sequential and they will build line upon line. And so, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2. And uh, I'll just quickly find that if I can. Habakkuk 2, and and the Lord, uh, Habakkuk said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he, that being God, will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. And so Habakkuk was in despair. His country was in despair. The people were looking for a future and a hope and there didn't seem to be any. And God responded to the prophet. He put He put pressure on his faith and called to God and says, Lord, give me a vision. Say to me, speak to me. And you too can do that. And the Lord answered and said, write the vision. What a good idea. And make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely tarry, it shall surely tarry. And so the vision, although it's white, it puts bones to your future and your hope. God wants to give every one of us a future and a hope. And I have found that people who have a purpose and a hope live long lives. They've got a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And the beginning of the year is a great time to write a vision for your life in every aspect of your life, whether it be spiritual, whether it be church life, whether it be your business, family life, or your community life. To write the vision in every one of those things was not an idle suggestion by God, but it was a command. And I'm going to put everybody here on the spot, and I'm going to say, who wrote the vision a week ago when they got home? There we go. We've got some hands there. Fantastic. But there's a lot more to go, isn't there? And I went to see somebody during the week, and he hadn't put pen to paper, not given it a second thought. So I thought, I've got to reiterate or go over this message a little bit more. Because the, the word is a command from the Lord to write a vision for your life. Amen? If you want a future and a hope in God, what are you hoping for? And putting pen to paper helps you in our life uh, to achieve God's purposes for our life. And so the ability to hold firm in our lives, 
to hold the line, to stay the course, is greatly aided by and having a vision before us. And it's greatly assisted the people of God during the difficult years of exile. And it was the prophet Jeremiah, and I might just quickly go there, Jeremiah 29. So we've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. So I'm going to, and uh, everybody knows this verse, Jeremiah 29. And uh, they know that verse 11, but I'm going to read the, the verse before it to give it context. And he says, uh, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed. Oh, this is a severe message. He was telling the prophet to tell the people that you're not just being in exile for a little while, but you're going to be raising children and even grandchildren in this exile. So it was tough times. He says, uh, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. To what place? To return back to Israel, to return back to Jerusalem. And here is this famous verse, which you all know, but that was the context of it. For I know, this is God speaking, for I know the thoughts. In other translation says, for I know the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts or plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Who knows that God wants to give you a future and a hope? You have a reason to live, amen, and a good reason to live. And people without purpose, people without purpose, uh, people perish. They cast off restraint. One uh, revised English Bible says that people go wild when there is no vision. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge or destroyed with people who have no vision are destroyed because they have no future. They have no hope. They have no vision for their lives. But not only should you have a vision for your life, God has a vision for your life. Your greatest potential in, in, uh, will be fulfilled in your life when you find out what God has put you here for. The two most important dates, the date you were born and the, reason, and the date that you found out why you were born. The reason that God has placed you here, amen? Or well, not just to look good, not just to look good when you look in the morning and go, hey. Not just to look good, but God's got a purpose for you and I, amen? Doesn't matter how good looking you are. So the correlation between knowledge and purpose and vision and revelation are all aided by this one act, what God commanded the Habakkuk to write the vision. I trust that some of you have written that vision that God has for your life. There is a separate, someone said to me before the service, what sort of vision will I write? I said, well, you've got a spiritual life, you've got a family life, you've got a business life, you've got financial life, you've got spiritual goals. What do you want to accomplish? Every area of your life, you should have a page. And you just put down some bones to start with. And then as you go along and pray over it, you'll begin to fill in all the gaps. And the more specific you are, the more God can answer your prayer. If you want a bike, what size bike? What type of bike? And uh, what color bike? Amen. Will it have a bell on it? Write it all down. The more specific you are, the more that God can answer and breathe. The Holy Spirit acts on the spoken word of the Lord and you begin to pray over it and speak over it, you'll see that that will come to pass. And God's future for you will come to pass when you work with it. And so you've written the vision. And, uh, but what then? And so at the midweek meeting, 
I went on, spoke on Wednesday night about turning that vision into a present reality. Who would like to turn your pipe dream into something of substance? Amen? Many people here have pipe dreams. We call them pipe dreams because they think, oh, it might come to pass, as if it's left to the fate of something else and something that you have no control of. But the Bible says there are spiritual laws in place that God has put in place to ensure your success. God has no delight in seeing you fail. God has set you up with all the resources of heaven to see you prosper, amen? God wants you to prosper in every area of your life. He wants to see you. I've found the best form of prayer is answered prayer. Who likes answered prayer? Oh, wouldn't you get discouraged if you're just speaking into the air and nothing's happening? But God is a believer. He wants to answer your prayer more than what you do because it accomplishes his task here on the earth. And so I talked about that turning the pipe dream or the elusive and frustrating potential that you know that is within you and looking into something that you even think is dead and to turn it into something tangible and something real to give that vision substance. And God has created in his word spiritual principles to give your vision substance. The vision that God has for your life needs substance, something that is real. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, Hebrews is the faith book of of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter of the Bible. And in Hebrews 11.1, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You see, faith is a substance which means you have it or you don't, and faith is here and faith is now. Hope and vision are both futuristic, but faith throws a lifeline, a vision and a hope into the future, and you begin to pull upon it and see your purpose and vision come to pass. God wants to see your vision come to pass. More than what you see, want to see your vision come to pass. And so in Ezekiel 37, you may look at some aspects of your life And you think, oh gosh, that looks dead. That looks real dead. And so we read Ezekiel 37, and it is the story of the valley of the dry bones. Now, it doesn't come any deader than dry bones, does it? In a valley, that's a low place. It's a dark place. And it's dry bones. It's dead. It's really dead. It's exceedingly dead. There's no breath in it. It's it's real dead. Amen? Just say it's real dead to to the neighbor next to you. It's real dead. Perhaps you've got a vision for your life, and you think, oh, it's real dead. I had aspirations when I was 15 about doing this and doing that, but it's real dead. That vision that I had for my life, they said they write it. I wrote it down on top of my fridge and it's fallen to the bottom of the fridge. In fact, my vision is under the fridge. (laughs) Grab that vision, all the mold, sweep off the dust, drag it out from underneath the fridge and put it up the top and begin to speak over that vision. Zechariah 4, 6 says, For it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the spirit of the Lord brooding over the waters of the deep, waiting for the word to be declared. And God said, Let there be light. And the spirit of God moved upon that word and brought forth light at 302,000 kilometers a second. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Give the Lord praise. God's, got, God's given you a vision. God doesn't want to see. God wants to see his people prosper. He doesn't want to see his church look like an underling, like a, a, a long-lost relative. The church will be a shining light in this hour of darkness. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and you say, you are the shining light that this community needs. That's, that's who you are. 
Oh, yes, Laurie, you're the shining light. Julia, you are the shining light. Anita, you are the shining light that your family needs and this community needs. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you are. And so with that, I'd just like to quickly go to Romans chapter 10. And I'm going to read to you some of the most powerful scriptures right now. They're some of my favorites. I've referred to them over the years. And here is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle of grace and grit, And he's speaking in Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. And he says, but what does it say? He's writing to the Roman church. And the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. I'm speaking about hope and vision and all these things. Knowledge and a a purpose and something for your life today. He says, Paul says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. This is good stuff. And, can, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, what you confess, you can possess. You confess Jesus Christ, and you will possess Jesus Christ. Amen? Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I create the fruit of the lips, said God to Isaiah in in chapter 57. I create the fruit of the lips. You see, heaven and hell are both voice activated. And we are surrounded in life by a world that we create by our spoken words over the vision that you have for your life. Will you speak, confess, and declare the purposes of God for your life? Will you speak life? You can be a negative person that doesn't take a rocket science to be one. But what, what do you want in your life? Do you want to be surrounded by negativity and lack and want? Will the church remain something that is ineffective in our community or will we rise up and be the body of believers that God wants in this generation to turn our world the right side back up? In, in the book of Acts, they say, these men are turning the world upside down. They will not. They were turning the world the right side up. And in the last 2,000 years, great change has been made, but I have sensed in this last generation that the devil has turned this world upside down. Amen? Isaiah speaks about it in uh, chapter 5 and I think verse 18 or 19. He says, darkness is light and light is darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet and all these sort of things. Everything has been reversed before our very eyes. But we're going to take back what the devil stole. Amen? This is is a generation and this is a church which is going to take back what the devil has stole. The markets are not not going to have more people here than the church. The church is going to have more people than the markets. Amen? The church is going to have more people in it than in the sporting fields. They say, oh, no, kids are not interested these days. Oh, well, I say, oh, I think kids should be interested. Oh, kids should begin to live for Jesus. Amen? Oh, Jesus. Amen? Amen? Charles Haddon Spurgeon was the biggest preacher in the biggest church in London a couple of hundred years ago at the age of 20. At the age of 20. You're not too young to get on fire with God. Samuel, the little boy in in, uh, Eli's apprentice in the tabernacle of old, seven or eight years of old, and he was the shining light to a generation that was in darkness and apostasy. God used a little boy to usher in and take them from the theocracy to the monarchy. The, trans- the person who implemented that transition in Israel's history was a young boy, Samuel. And if God can use a young boy, then he can use you and I. Amen? Amen. Or oh, he can use you two boys in the front row there. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life. 
You can use that guy, the old guy in the back row. I don't know who I'm talking about. He wants to use the old and the young alike. God's not finished with us, amen? He is not finished with you and he's not finished with me. So to declare the word of God over the vision, understanding that the kingdom of heaven and the counterfeit kingdom of darkness are both voice activated. What you speak when you get out of bed in the morning begins to create your world. What sort of world do you want this year for 2024? What are you speaking into being for 2024? Let not your rear view view vision mirror be bigger than the one in front of you. God wants to give us a future and our hope, and we are not held captive by our past. We've been set free from our past and given a new... We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Amen. The blood of the cross severed the shackles that we had to sin. We have been set free to a life of liberty, prosperity, and success in God. Is this a prosperity doctrine? No, it's not. It's just the gospel. That's all it is. It's just the gospel. Pure and simple gospel. There it is, Romans chapter 10. Underline those words. Put it down somewhere. They are very, very powerful scriptures when you hook your heart, and it says by faith. It says, with the heart one believes. Does God have an accusation against you if you do not have faith? You said, I don't have faith to believe that. Well, God says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith can be obtained. And if faith can be clearly and uh, uh, supplied to you from heaven, yes, God does have a charge if we do not have faith. It says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When the word of God is imparted and planted into your life, it has an ability to grow. The seed grows of itself, the sower knows not how, and that seed of faith can begin to grow in your life. Give your spiritual life a boost. Deprive yourself of the things of the flesh. TV is not going to help you at this time, but the Word of God will. The Word of God will. So what then? So it means to write the vision and then begin to speak over that vision, which is what I'm addressing today before I go on. Hope and vision will throw a lifeline into your future, securing themselves on the promises of God. Unto us have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that by these and through these that you would be ob- obtain uh, our uh, heavenly inheritance, said 2 Peter 1.4. And so to declare w- the word and the confessed spoken word over your life and the vision that God has for it grips that lifeline into your future, causing it to become not just a, a pipe dream. Who's interested in pipe dreams? Some people talk and you say, oh, that's just another pipe dream. They're always talking it up. And uh, some Aussies are good at it. I've been pretty good at it myself at times. Talking it up, they say, blah, blah, blah. Talking it up because there's no substance to it. But when you declare the word of the Lord over the vision that God has to you, it becomes substance like faith itself. Faith is a substance. A person who believes Hell nor high water cannot stop that person from doing what he's set out to do. Same resources, same intellect, same everything else. And the other person, he could have exceedingly greater intellect, greater resources, greater birthright, and yet that person dies in failure. And what is the difference? Hope, vision, and a believing heart connected to it. And you too can make a decision to have a believing heart. I don't know about you, but I believe God. Amen? Amen. I believe God. 
I believe God. You too can believe God. Or you too. It's a choice. And so uh, I create the fruit of the lips, says, says God. So write the vision and declare it to you. I'd like to go over to uh, 1 Samuel. And uh, I'm going to go from 16 to 17. Fantastic scriptures right now. I'm going to go to uh, 1 Samuel and chapter 16. God is interested in, in our and your future. And he wants to, to bring us out of the depths of obscurity, particularly the church. We've been an obscure organization or a group of people in this community. And I say no longer. And uh, he wants to, to bring us into his promises. To take us from the shelf of mediocrity. And sometimes you may get to middle age or a little bit older and you just seem content now because that vision is sort of faded. It's under the fridge and you're just content to crawl up onto that shelf of mediocrity and hide in the dark and not begin to work in the abundance of God. But God has called us to be a city on a hill radiating the light of God in a dark world. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 17... And as I said before, it's a time in Israel's history when they went from a theocracy, meaning they were, uh, they were ruled by God. God was the head. And they went from theocracy to a monarchy. And they had rejected God. The people of Israel had rejected God. And they wanted a king of their own like all the nations that surrounded them. They said, we want a king like all the other nations. We don't want an unseen king ruling over us. We want a physical king. Someone that we can relate to more closely. And uh, they got their king and he was a dud. Amen. He warned them from the outset. Samuel, or, he said, that he's just going to tax you. He's going to take you from the your eldest of your family. He's going to take a portion of your business. You're going to be required to be part of the army. You're going to be par part of uh, having to feed his army and all these sort of things. He says, you're not going to like what you're going to get. But sometimes we get what we pray for. Even though we contradict what God's plan is for our life, sometimes God just gives up on us and he says, okay, that's what you want, here you go. And so God gave them a king and he was an absolute dud. And his name was King Saul and he was all looks and no substance. Amen? King Saul was head and shoulder above every man around him. He had tremendous hair, he had all the good looks, he had some pretty good pedigree and, uh, and he became their king. But, even though, and, but God himself rejected Saul as a king. And I'm going to go to verse, uh, uh, let me go to 1 Samuel and chapter 15. And I'm going to read to you some pretty horrible verses. Really, really horrible. And he says, Has the Lord as, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Here's the prophet speaking to the king Saul. As in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. So the Lord is asking obedience from us. Amen? He loves us unconditionally, but our level of love for God is always an indicator by our level of obedience to him. And so he said, and to heed the fat of rams, he said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is a sin. Holding off and standing off what God wants you to do is rebellion. God says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It's a harsh words, isn't it? And stubbornness as an iniquity and idolatry. In other words, people worshipping their own opinions, 
holding firm to that which they know what God wants for their life. He says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Oh, these are harsh words. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. In 1 Samuel, the Lord showed me this very early. No, it was actually about 8 o'clock this morning, 7.30 this morning. The Lord showed me that that same word. He says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. That word in the Hebrew is devar. And you think, oh, well, but hang on to this for a moment because I'll reveal to you later. The word devar in the Hebrew, just loosely translated as the word in this case, means a cause. You have rejected the cause. You have rejected the purpose. You have rejected the reason. The word, the speech, the matter. This word was always used, that Hebrew word devar, to convey a command or a royal decree. In other words, you have rejected a royal decree. When related to the word used to convey, it is always used by the prophet to convey a divine communication. You have rejected a divine communication of the Lord. That's what it's saying, that word devar. And the Lord only showed me that about 7.30 this morning. That word devar, I'd not seen it. And I, I praise God because that's, that's the breath, that's illumination on the word of God, you see? Illumination. When we read the Word of God, we need illumination. You don't need information, you need illumination, which is totally different. Who likes it when you open up the Bible and it begins to sing to you? You open up the Word of God, people say, I just read a whole page and I don't even know what I read. No illumination, you see, no revelation. All you need is to sing to you. You need that Word of God to come alive to you. The Spirit of God, the author and the finisher of our faith, the Spirit of God was upon all those divine authors who wrote it, and the Spirit of God needs to be present when you open up the Word of God to read it, because then revelation will come. Because you have rejected the devar, you have rejected the cause, the purpose, the reason that God has got for your life, the Word, the speech, you have rejected the conveyed command or royal decree. You have rejected the divine communication. Amen? You see the word of God, how you see how highly I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food, said Job 23 verse 12. I have esteemed, I have placed a great value on the word of God. Saul the king had no regard for the word and pride was his big downfall. And the Lord said, I provided myself a king among the sons of Jephsi. And Samuel said, God said to the prophet Samuel, and he was ordered by God to anoint another king. And he says, because God says, I have rejected Saul as my king. I have rejected God. as." My... And so Saul stood in that position for many years. But the Lord had already rejected him as king over the nation. And he appointed himself another one to be anointed by Samuel the prophet. And here it is, when, and when choosing the next anointed king, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, please go there if you would, and there it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, all the sons of Jesse were presented before the prophet Samuel, and, and Samuel was going to decide by the unction of the Holy Spirit who was to be the next king. And the Lord said, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical statue, because I have refused him. That is the, the eldest of, uh, of the sons. The Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the 
heart. The Lord looks at the heart. He would have looked, the, the Lord knew that Saul was going to fail. A Saul was all, all looks. A Saul was all rhetoric. Saul was all blah, blah, blah. He had the appearance of everything that a king needed to be, but he had nothing of the substance of God in him, within him. Amen? And so you think, oh, I don't, I don't feel like a king's kid. Oh, it's not what you look like. It's not what you look like. It's what's inside. Because when you, Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings in your life, or Christ within you, the hope of glory, you're bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Amen? I'm five foot three. I think that's a good thing. I'm bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Can you say that to the person next to you? I am bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Oh, that's good, isn't it? I am bigger. That's a good declaration. Say that in the morning. After you say, oh, how you going, gorgeous? You say, you are bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. You are bigger on the inside. The Lord anointed David, the youngest son of Jesse, before all his older brothers. There we know the story. David's out there with the sheep, killing the lion and the bear, and probably others didn't even know it. And there he was out in the cold, and there he was out in the wet, and there he was out in the morning, and there he was out in the evening, under the stars, playing his harp to God. And God had separated himself, a man unto God, and a man after his own heart, God's own heart. If God's got you secluded in a, a place where nobody knows you, God is doing a mighty work in you, and it'll come to fruition, and that brings forth its fruit in due time. Amen? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path of sinners, nor, nor, in, the, nor in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And David was a man who meditated upon the word of the Lord day and night. He just loved God. He just loved God. He just loved God. And there they were in chapter 17, and the Philistines had come up. They were always the arch enemies of God, and they still are to this day, still located in the same place, in fact. The Philistines gathered their armies and... Uh, from one side, and, and, uh, and there it was in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 16, and the Philistine drew near, this is Goliath, and, and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening, saying, send out a man to fight me. Six weeks every day, Goliath of Gath, a man six foot six, or pro I'd say he was a nine nine, but I don't know exactly. Six fingers and six toes like the rest of his four brothers. I do notice that, that David picked up five stones, one for Goliath and the other four for his brothers. Amen. And five always speaks of grace. And so here is David. He was sent out to the battle just to go and take some cheeses and some bread to his older brothers. They were the heroes. Amen. And, uh, and then Goliath came out and defied the armies of the living God. And he says, I want to feed your, your flesh to the birds of the air. And uh, he was actually pronouncing his own death sentence. And he was pronouncing his own judgment on himself and on his own people. That's what happens to the enemies of God. Amen? The Lord goes into battle for you. Amen? I have seen this countless times in my own life where the Lord went into battle for me personally. Personally. I stood back and watched the show. It wasn't pleasant to watch. But the things that people pronounced 
became judgment on their own homes. Amen? And that's the sort of protection. It's, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. We don't speak about that too much. A fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And so Goliath had, had declared and decreed that he would annihilate the, the champion. And the people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they had no champion. They had no champion. And they were looking for a champion. They were looking for a leader. They were looking for a person of conviction and resolve. But they had nobody. And nobody stood forward. And when the wheels are falling off people's lives, when the wheels are falling off our community, the community at large is looking for leadership. Will they find it in you? The community here is looking for people with resolve, people with conviction, people who know the word of the Lord and they are not wavered by whatever comes their way. There was something strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, it says. Or before we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not natural things that you and I face, but it's spiritual things, amen? And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not natural. The weapons of our warfare are still the sling and the stone. Still the sling and the stone is what the Lord has placed in your hands. And the weapons of warfare that King, that King Saul presented to David, he says, put on my armor. And David took one look at him, tried them on, and he says, these are going to weigh me down. I don't know these natural weapons. I know the spiritual weapon that I have, the sling and the stone. I see that Goliath, as big as he is, I see a head that I cannot miss. I see a head that I cannot miss. What are you looking at? When you look at the opposition, what are you looking at? How big he is? What about looking at him as a target that you can't miss? Amen? Or they are. There's things that oppose you. And they oppose a man of God. They oppose a woman of God. And the original opposition that came David's way was his own brother's. Those closest, those nearest, and those dearest can often be the very people who oppose what God is doing in your life. You turn up the heat on your spiritual walk with God, and you'll find opposition real close to home, amen? Real close to home. Oh, yes, it will. It will. But I pray that there's, there'll be a resolve and conviction in your life that said, I don't care what comes my way, I will never stop praising you, Amen. I will never stop praising you. And I found that the more opposition that has come my way through life, the deeper that I dug with God. The deeper that I dug. And then, and then God brings forth an instrument in its time. He shall produce fruit in its season, said Psalm 1. Amen? A young man anointed by God, appointed by God, stepped forward and said, I'll fight this brute. And you and I are anointed by God to discard the earthly weapons of King Saul and to pick up a sling and stone. 2 Corinthians 10.4 is the scripture verse, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And I want to say that your old carnal weapons that used to work for you will no longer work for you, even though they did it in the past. Taking a bloke back behind the back of the woodshed and give him a hiding... Give them, uh, laying hands on somebody at the back of the woodshed will no longer work for you. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so you deliver. God is your stronghold. God is your stronghold. Uh, ever ready and present help in time of need, says Psalm 46. And so uh, 
in Judges 8, 7, I think, I think it's Jephthah, one of the judges, and he says, For this cause, when the Lord had de delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand. And so Jephthah had a cause. He was called to be a judge, a leader, at the time when the Midianites were crawling over the face of Israel at the time. And he was called, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, as the Spirit of the Lord came upon all the judges. And you have a look at the wording in all those judges. I don't know how many there were off, by, off the top of my head. But it says in each case that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord came upon, came upon, came upon. And the Spirit of God can come upon you too. When God has called you to a task too big for you, know that it's as God. If God. If God wanted to get something done and you thought you could do it in your own strength, you wouldn't need God. Amen? So the fact that God has called you something bigger than you think you can handle is probably evidence that it is God. Because you need to hang on to him to see it come to pass. Amen? It's good, isn't it? What is this cause then? What is this cause? I want to take you then to 1 Samuel and chapter 17 and verse 29. And here is the revelation that God gave me this morning. And here is David hearing about Goliath, seeing Goliath and defying the people of Israel. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And that word in the Hebrew, I only saw it there this morning. That word there, cause, is actually the word in the Hebrew, devar, which means, is there not a word? Isn't that interesting? And the reason that God rejected Saul is the reason that God accepted David. David grabbed hold of that word, that devar. Oh, I'll go back to that. That word there, is there not, David was basically saying, is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose? Is there not a reason? Is there not a word, a speech or a matter? Is there not a royal decree that has gone out that you should possess the land, said Moses to the people even before going into the land. There was a royal decree. Is there not a divine communication given to all the sons of Israel to go out and possess the land? Is there not a divine word that has come to you today, a devar? Here it's translated as cause, but it's the same word that I used in regard to why God rejected Saul is the reason why God accepted David, a man, a boy still, after my own heart, when he said, is there not a devour? Is there not a word? Is there not a divine communication of God to go in and take this ugly brute's head off? Amen. I'd like to go now to the New Testament in John chapter 12 to a couple of words that Jesus spoke before I round up this morning. It's a good word, isn't it? Amen. It's a good word. It's okay to be excited in the house of God, amen? It's okay. Can I have an hallelujah out there, Doug? Give us a wave. Yep. Hallelujah. Doug's awake. Elizabeth, give us a wave. Elizabeth is awake. Wonderful. Fantastic. It's good to have you here and your children. And so we're going to uh, uh, John chapter 12 and verse 27 before I'm rounding up. Very surely. It's written in red. These are the words of Jesus. And Jesus predicts his death on the cross. It's hard times. It's tough times. And God, uh, Jesus had a vision. And he was to complete the mission and the mandate that God had sent him for. And uh, 
But it was very, very difficult times. It said he sweated drops of blood. I've never sweated drops of blood. I've sweated plenty in my life, and you probably have too. He says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He says, but for this purpose, I came into this hour. You see, Jesus had a purpose. Jesus had a divine vision, a divine mission, a divine mandate, as you and I have a divine mandate. Amen? And what is this purpose? What is this cause? What cause and purpose is Jesus speaking of? And so I was, I was reading a little bit later in John 18, and I'd like to go to you there before finishing up. And John chapter 18 and verse 37, and the latter part of that verse in 37. And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world, verse 36. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. You see, he's speaking before Pilate, the man who was to condemn him to the death made possible by the religious authorities of the day. And Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born. You see, Jesus had a cause. And you and I have a cause. He says, and for this cause I have come into the world that I sure should bear witness to the truth. What was Jesus' cause? His cause was to bear witness to the truth. What's your cause? To bear witness to the truth. Isn't that amazing? You think, what's the cause? What's the end game here? But each and every one of our lives is to bear witness to the truth as Jesus' own life was to bear witness to the truth. Why? Because Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. Veritas, they call it, some university in the States. And the principal said, my truth. <laughs> I knew she didn't have the truth when she said my truth. Eh? Truth is not optional. Truth is truth. It's the plumb line or the datum point by which all is measured. It's the word of God and the person of Jesus Christ. Bear witness to the truth. What are our motivations? When you're writing a vision for your life, does it bear witness to the truth? The cause of Christ instilled into your life will bring a divine purpose. I'm talking about purpose in these opening weeks of this year. Because I've seen too many people's lives snuffed out when they lose purpose or a reason to get out of bed in the morning. A good friend of mine killed himself last year or so. Why? Because there was no divine purpose, no reason. Accomplished man. Another bloke I knew killed himself wealthy as anything, wealthy as anything. A boat worth more than my house. Having everything and yet still not having a reason to live. You need a vision. And it needs to be God's vision for your life. And the vision that God's vision for your life, for your marriage, for your children, for your, for your finances, for your business, it will bear witness to the truth. Does your business bear witness to the truth? A cause, a word from the Lord has come to all here today that our lives and vision that God has for your life will bear witness to the truth. Does my life bear witness to the truth? I ask myself again, does my walk with God bear witness with the truth? Does your walk with God bear witness to the truth? Does my relationships bear witness to the truth? Does my marriage bear witness to the truth? 
Does my family structure bear witness to the truth? Do my finances, how can my finances bear witness to the truth? Do, do I tithe? Do I bring offerings to the Lord as prescribed by the word of the Lord? A tithe, it's called, it's a ten. It's very clear. Do all these things bear witness to the truth? And you will see that when your life comes into order, when your life is recalibrated or realigned with the word of the Lord, amen, it will bear witness to the truth. And the blessing and prosperity of God will rest upon your life. Amen. The protection, the hand of protection of God will be upon your life and your loved ones. Amen. God has given us a vision. God said to Habakkuk, write the vision. God said through Paul, declare and confess the word which you believe over the vision that God has for your life. And Jesus said, bear witness to the truth for this is the cause of Christ. When you live for something bigger than yourself, oh, it's an exhilarating way to live. When you live for a purpose higher than your own, it's a great way to live your life. There's an excitement about being connected to something that is bigger than you. Get connected with God. Get connected to the vision that He has for your life in whatever aspect God has for you. Do your own Uh, earthly pursuits dominate your thoughts or is still the cause of Christ predominant and preeminent in whatever stage of life you are living right now. Whether you're a young child at school or whether you're retired makes no difference. The cause of Christ remains. Amen. And you will find your greatest prosperity and purpose in life when you fulfill the call of God for your life. Amen. Hallelujah.
Jesus.